0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 10th and L podcast brought to you by True North Church in Anchorage, Alaska. My name is Philip Coleman, and I am coming to you solo today. Last week on the podcast, we spoke with Josiah Rice. Josiah is a member of True North Church, and he and I have been working through some of the practices and the disciplines of historical Orthodox spiritual formation. Um, Josiah was able to share a little bit about his personal history in more fundamental and maybe culturally conservative churches. And we were able to speak at length about how we practice what Jesus called life abundant on this side of eternity. And so uh, if you were able to tune into that, you can be looking for more of those episodes uh, featuring Josiah in the coming months between now and about a year from now, when the church as a whole begins to process through some of these practices, uh, Josiah will continue to sort of be my personal guinea pig working with me on discipleship uh, at an individual level. Today we're gonna talk about the Southern Baptist Convention. The question that I am gonna seek to answer for you today is what is the Southern Baptist Convention and why should you, why should you care? Um, the Southern Baptist Convention is uh, an organization that True North is affiliated with. And it's interesting, oftentimes in the context of a starting points lunch, where we are uh, getting to know people who've been visiting True North or who are preparing to enter into covenant membership here at True North. The question of our denominational affiliation or our doctrinal heritage or sort of the um, religious tribe that we are a part of, people word it different ways, but what they're getting at is, What larger entity are you a part of? That's not just you guys that I met here at this church, but what political positions and what cultural movements do you represent uh, when you give your money or when you choose to affiliate or partner or cooperate with other churches? And so uh, I think it's appropriate for us to use some time to discuss this. I can tell you that personally, I have been on what I will call a journey. I think that's a nice way to say it. In the last 18 months or so, trying to understand the relationship between True North and the Southern Baptist Convention, And to begin to explore if that relationship is beneficial, if it's something that uh, I, as one of the elders at True North, would be interested in seeing us continue to participate in, or if the time might be coming uh, where we as elders might need to recommend some discussion among the members. Um, I'll go ahead and spoil that for you and let you know that uh, in the past couple of months, specifically in June, I was able to attend The annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention. And I'll talk more in a minute about what that is and how that works. But I was able to go. And in sitting in a room of 21,000 people who represent the 45,000 churches that have cooperated together to form what is called the Southern Baptist Convention, I left very encouraged after those 48 hours of debate and discussion and votes and financial reports and accountability conversations, um, very much believing that. Uh, There might be something on paper that does a better job than the Southern Baptist Convention does at accomplishing its objectives, but I don't think anything exists in reality that does a better job. And so today I want to talk about four things. I want to first of all discuss the relationship between the Southern Baptist Convention and our church Where does that relationship come from? Why do we have it? Why have we maintained it, especially in the last two and a half years uh, since I was called to be the lead pastor of this church and since you as members voted uh, a couple of additional elders into leadership? Why has this team of leaders, this iteration of leadership at True North chosen to continue to encourage you, the members, to participate in the Southern Baptist Convention. Number two, I wanna explain the history of the SBC. Where did it come from? What is its structure? How does it actually do whatever it is that it does? And what does it do? Three, I wanna discuss briefly opportunities that affiliation with the SBC presents to those of us who call True North our church home. And then finally, I want to be very honest with you about some of the risks that the Southern Baptist Convention presents to True North. More often than not, these are the conversations that we have in a uh, setting like Starting Points, where there is a person new to the life of True North, where we need to be able to navigate some of the baggage and some of maybe the not-so-positive or Christ-like cultural milestones that Southern Baptist-affiliated churches may have represented in the past of the individuals asking those questions at a Starting Points. So let's jump right in with the idea of Just very point blank. Is True North a Southern Baptist church? And the shortest possible answer to that question is yes. However, if you were to ask me in person, that yes would come with a caveat. It would have an asterisk. You wouldn't be able to see it because we're speaking to each other. But I would know in my mind that there was more to the answer than just a simple yes or no. So let me explain what I mean. True North Church is affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, and this is more often than not the way that you will hear our staff, our elders, maybe even our life group leaders communicate our understanding of the relationship between True North and the Southern Baptist Convention. Some people, and I think that this is true of people inside the SBC and people who are outside of it, some people would say that to be affiliated with the SBC is to be, quote unquote, Southern Baptist. Now, I understand that argument, and my perspective, my difference of opinion may communicate as semantics to those people. That's okay. That's a fair critique of me. I'm comfortable with that. But I think in a geographic context where being a Southern Baptist might be better understood or better considered to be positive by a significant percentage of the population, in that setting, I might be comfortable with saying, yes, we are a Southern Baptist church. We are made up of Southern Baptist people. But in Anchorage, Alaska, that's not the case. And I could talk today at length about why that's not the case, but I think that that might be a discussion for another podcast about the conclusion of Christendom in the United States about 2010, the end of the evangelical missionary movement of the 19th and 20th centuries. But for the sake of this explanation today, what matters is that to be perceived as either quote, Southern or quote, Baptist in Anchorage, Alaska comes with baggage And that baggage, from my perspective, and I believe the perspective of the rest of our elders, works against our objective as a church of being all about Jesus, of being known for that. So the short answer is that if you were to ask me if True North Church is, quote, Southern Baptist, I would probably ask you what that means. And then I would ask you if you would meet me for a follow-up conversation. And the long answer in broad strokes that I would share with you gladly over a cup of chai tea or a scoop of ice cream is this. I would say that if what you are asking is if True North represents a culturally Southern movement of churches who propagate a specific style of corporate singing, a specific style of sermon delivery, or a specific style of what we call evangelism that is very presentation and decision oriented, then I would say, no, we are decidedly not that. However, if what you are asking is if we participate in the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention, which is, from my perspective, the most efficient and effective financial platform for both foreign and domestic missionaries, as well as the supporting entity of six of the best Protestant seminaries in the world, then yes, we are that. Being affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention has always been about what we can give and who we can send. More about that later not about what we receive or what authority we are beholden to submit to. Uh, We'll get into that a little bit more uh, when we get into the structure and the form of the convention in a few minutes. So True North is a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. So why? Well, that's a good question. The reason that True North is affiliated with the SBC is really twofold for us. First, Southern Baptist churches planted us. They funded the planting of True North 10 years ago in 2010. And the Southern Baptist Convention's equipping and sending DNA is what led missionaries to do that. Very few of us who were around then are still here, but those who are still here can see that participation in the same system that brought True North to Anchorage, continuing to participate in that system, is a good thing. Second, we find value in the sending of missionaries that are not responsible for fundraising their own livelihood. We believe also that the accountability an entity like the Southern Baptist Convention can offer to a missionary or to a church planter is frankly better than any model in which an individual church sends the planter without additional support. So that's the why. That's where we came from as part of why and the ongoing benefit of the accountability and our ability to send and support missionaries corporately, collectively, in a very highly accountable environment. Those are positives to us. So... Maybe you would ask next, what's the relationship like with the SBC? What does it actually mean to be affiliated? Well, essentially for us, we give 6%, and this can change every year when we readdress our budget, but at this point in 2021, we are sending 6% of all of the internal giving of our membership to the Southern Baptist Convention in order to be used to support the missionaries of the Southern Baptist Convention. So if you would like to know what binds us together with the other 45,000 Southern Baptist churches worldwide, you're able to access a document online, it's called The Baptist Faith and Message, and you can find that at sbc.net, sbc.net, The Baptist Faith and Message. It was revised in the year 2000, that's the newest version, and it's a statement of faith. It's a statement of faith that looks just like what you have probably seen on many church websites that you have explored before. It's going to communicate about the nature of God, what the Bible is, how salvation works, Um, who is in or out of the kingdom of God. Um, It has some commentary about the structure of the family, according to Scripture. It has some commentary about the role of the Holy Spirit, the role of baptism, how we take communion, how we do community. And the function of it is it is the theological baseline. It's the absolute minimum that a church has to agree with in order to be considered, quote, in cooperation or in partnership with the Southern Baptist Convention, It's also the theological baseline for birthing or planting a new church out of the Southern Baptist Convention. If you've never read this document before, it is very readable, it's extremely accessible, and it's really broadly evangelical. There's nothing about it that I think anybody who attends True North Church would find offensive at all, in part because we went over the document very carefully as part of my onboarding process to make sure that my leadership, the leadership of our elders, and the overall vision of our church was going to be in step with the convention Otherwise, we would have had to make a hard decision. We would have had to gather as a church and cast votes and decide, is it more important to stay affiliated with this convention than it is to maybe clarify our own perspectives on some of these theological issues? Or is it more important to us to exercise our autonomy, our freedom as a local church to land where we think that Scripture calls us to land, and as a result of that, sacrifice the relationship with the convention? Those are both possibilities. Thankfully, from my perspective, neither of those has been necessary up to this point. The Southern Baptist Convention's Baptist faith and message is not all every SBC church believes, but it is the minimum agreed upon tenets of belief so that we can know that the funds and the support that we give and receive from the SBC are being shared or being given by churches that are reasonably like-minded and also Jesus-focused. So that's the first point. Number two, what I want to talk to you about is the origin of the Southern Baptist Convention. How old is it? Whose idea was this? What is its purpose? And does it accomplish that purpose? So I'll start at the beginning. The SBC, structurally, is made up of people, individual people, who are members of churches that contribute financially to the cooperative program. The cooperative program is sort of the financial pipeline that makes the Southern Baptist Convention the convention that it is. And you may not know this, but the convention is actually primarily a financial institution. It was designed and it is structured in order to maximize the effectiveness of financial giving— or giving of time, or giving of other resources, but to do that by cooperating, by working together and maintaining a very high level of accountability for those funds. The Southern Baptist Convention is not, by definition, a Protestant denomination. Maybe you did not know that. Probably every time you have to take the census or fill out your taxes or log into your Google account, I don't know who's asking this, but somebody's asking you what denomination or faith you are, and you might have seen Southern Baptist as a drop-down option in a menu that includes other Protestant denominations. Are you confused yet? If you are, you are in good company. The Southern Baptist Convention is often misunderstood, even by people who are in leadership within its entities. However, if you look at its history and you read its constitution and bylaws, it's very clear that it was not formed to create policies, it was not formed to decide theological positions, or to provide leadership or even instruction for any of the members of any of the churches who cooperate financially to fund its missionaries, its church planters, and its seminaries. Unfortunately, but probably very predictably, over the SBC's 175-year existence, as more churches were planted, more missionaries were sent, the scope of what it means to be connected to the SBC has narrowed, and we have picked up some cultural hallmarks along the way that I would argue are not necessary, are unnecessary baggage that we carry with us that shape the way that our culture sees us and some of how they respond to us, even when we as individuals do not actually endorse or carry that baggage ourselves. This is especially true when you look at the subset of Southern Baptist churches that actually use the word Baptist in their name. True North is not a part of that. If you can look at the even smaller subset of those churches that are called the First Baptist Church of wherever they are, the First Baptist Church of Anchorage is where we meet, we meet in their building, we're glad to be in cooperation with their membership, no problem with those people, but when you zoom into the First Baptist Church model, you often find, I often find, that the unity of mission that is good begins to look more and more like uniformity in both philosophy, how we think things should be done, and practice, what we actually do. And I think this is a major contributing factor to the bad taste that a lot of people under 40 have in their mouth about Baptist churches. And it's also a reason why True North does not lead into conversations with guests or those who do not follow Jesus with our Southern Baptist affiliation. We understand that bad taste. We get it. Frankly, some of us still have a little bit of that bad taste in our mouth, and we're willing to cooperate and partner in spite of that, because we believe that the good that's possible outweighs our opinions or even potentially us having our toes stepped on by people who call themselves Southern Baptists in the past. In the very same way that words like conservative, evangelical, complementarian, even the word spiritual, these have all somewhat lost their meaning or become negative by connotation within our culture, the word Baptist as a title or as a category of Jesus follower, frankly, presents more barriers than it does inroads in 2021. What the SBC is is individuals who meet to have a two-day business meeting once every year. And they have that meeting in order to manage the giving, the expenses, and the accountability of the six seminaries, the two missionary sending agencies, the publishing arm of the convention, the executive team of the convention, and the disaster relief ministry of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was the need for that kind of involvement and accountability that led to the formal beginning of the SBC in 1845. The mission formally stated to the General Assembly of the state of Georgia, because the birthplace of the SBC is Augusta, and the state of Georgia recognized the SBC before the national government did, was, quote, this was their mission. They said their mission was to organize a plan for eliciting, combining, and directing energies for the propagation of the gospel. They used a nice word, energies. What we all know that means is dollars and cents. And that sounds good, right? We would say as New Testament Christians, yes, there should be a plan to gather funding so that people can hear the gospel. We should put our money together because we can do more together than apart. And we should direct those energies, if you will, toward the gospel alone. That has to remain our focus. This has always been the heartbeat of the convention, and it should be should remain the most important lens through which we view the sometimes too political, often bloated, but still very effective Southern Baptist Convention of 2021. Now, we're going to shift gears here just a little bit. This is still part of my second idea that I want to share with you uh, on this podcast. But what I need to say next may be surprising to you, or even right now, as I'm kind of preparing you for something that I think is going to land in a pretty significantly negative way. You may know exactly what i'm hinting at i need to mention to you the wicked past of the southern baptist convention and i have to do that in order to be honest about our origin story this is not something that we should brush over it's not something that we should ignore um, the first part of what i'm going to tell you is really terrible it's just it's deplorable in god's eyes um, i will give you a spoiler on the front end from my perspective it has been repented of but it is real and we should talk about it so to be even more clear i am vehemently, personally, vehemently, and I can speak for the leadership of our church, that we are against the kind of wickedness that led to the formation of the Southern Baptist Convention. But I do also believe, as a follower of Jesus, that repentance is a real possibility and that forgiveness can happen. The SBC has done, in my opinion, all that it needs to do in order to loudly and clearly take responsibility for its past and to repent and to work to be sure that nothing like the circumstances of its origins will ever happen again. So that concludes my caveat. Here's the story. I'm just going to tell it to you uh, as I understand it based on the facts. In the 1840s in this country, tension around the long-term future of chattel slavery, where people own people and export and import people and abuse people and rape people and dehumanize them in every way, The long-term future of that in the United States was beginning to boil over between mostly northern and southern states. And one of the great victories, from my perspective, of God's enemy, Satan, over God's people, was the propagation and justification of slavery among people who claimed Christ in the southern United States. And again, in case I am being anything other than clear, the ownership and the subjugation of any person in any context defiles God's created order and is repugnant to God. There is no excuse, there is no justification for what happened in the South. Within that context, a national missionary sending agency called the General Missionary Convention of the United States began internal conversations about slavery and about slave ownership among its member churches and the missionaries that they sought to commission and send at about the same time that the popular convictions of the United States began to split over slavery. Is it a protected right or is it actually a violation of human rights on the national level? The general board could not reach an agreement, which is terrible. It's incredibly, I don't even say it's unfortunate. To me, it's evidence of the wickedness of human hearts. It's not an accident. It's not a thing nobody could help. It was a decision that they made to reach an impasse, basically. And they could not make their minds up on whether they should or should not appoint slave owners as missionaries. The churches of the geographic Old South of the United States decided to test the general missionary board in order to see what they would actually do. What is their functional position? Sure, they can say they can't make a decision on paper, but what would they do if a slave owner's name was submitted as a missionary candidate? And so that's what happened. The geographic southern states together submitted a man whose name was James Reeves as a missionary candidate for consideration, and they did this totally as a test case. They had actually already raised enough money among themselves that they were going to send James no matter what to be a missionary, but they wanted to see if the board would formally endorse his appointment or not. So the general board, as the U.S. government often does, decided just to not respond with a formal ruling, which if you're thinking to yourself is outright cowardice, you are correct. That is a terrible, spineless decision to make. But what that meant was, functionally, that James could not be appointed. Um, And in those days, because of just the state of technology and the geographic kind of diaspora of Christians in the United States, The General Missionary Board could only convene for discussion and debate once every three years. And so it took some time. There were years of this being published in newspapers and people fighting with each other. If you think that the 24-hour news cycle is bad now on Twitter, frankly, it was not much better in the 1840s. So at the next meeting, there's this sort of eruptive discussion. I mean, it's, it's pretty ugly the way that people speak to each other. And everybody goes home, and the debate is essentially unresolved because there's more or less a 50-50 split between northern and southern representatives of these positions on slavery. As a result of that, the southern churches of the General Missionary Board, not all, but the vast majority, left the General Missionary Board and formed what we call the Southern Baptist Convention, which, to be clear—and this was wrong, but it is true— It did allow, the SBC in its earliest form, did allow for the full endorsement and support of slave owners as missionaries, pastors, church planters, etc. And that is the truth. And I'm sorry that that is the truth. This is the single greatest reason that again and again, and I'm sharing this with you personally, not to be an example, but so that you know that we are thinking through this. There is no blind allegiance in this church to any entity, Even Jesus, I don't follow him blindly. I have reason and evidence to be affiliated with him forever. But I have wrestled with this. My wife, Andy, and I have struggled with this. There have been points in the past where we have said, we are done with the Southern Baptist Convention. One of those points was when we fully realized the racist history of the convention. But as I told you before, the convention at annual meetings in the last 35 years has unanimously resolved that the origin of the convention does not represent its future, and the churches have repeatedly, as recently as this year, just a couple of months ago, have collectively apologized for their support of slavery on a national level. Now to you, and somewhat to me, living in 2021, that may come across as less than sufficient. I will leave your convictions to you. What I can say with total certainty is that the Southern Baptist Convention of 2021 is not in any way racist, to the point that this year 21,000 representatives of member churches resolved unanimously at this year's annual business meeting to renounce racism and the racialization of anybody in any and all forms, acknowledging, yes, that racism does exist, but also seeking to do all that they can to eradicate it. And to me, as a person who believes that the gospel of Jesus Christ is founded upon forgiveness even forgiveness of sin, of wickedness in the human heart, and the dehumanization of other people. Though I regret the past of the Southern Baptist Convention, I cannot say that that past deserves to be taken so seriously and modernized and lived in that it gets in the way of the advance of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of the world. I believe the good that we can accomplish together is far greater than the shadow of racism that our convention lives underneath. And I believe that because that shadow has been acknowledged, it's been identified by name, it has been fully explored, discussed, written about, read about, talked about, listened about, I believe we've done everything we can to embrace that it was wrong and to move forward together. And I will say to you, as I often do in this podcast setting, if you have further questions about that, if you have a problem with that, if that causes you great conviction in your spirit, that it is not right for our church to be affiliated with a convention with that kind of origin story. I want you to understand that I would be really glad to talk to you about that and that my stance and position would not be combative, but that I would love to hear your perspective, your experience, your understanding, especially if you are a person of color within our congregation and this is particularly sensitive to you. It would be very helpful to me to know your perspective and to spend time speaking with you, repenting, in your presence, praying with you for forgiveness together collectively of all of our sins and trying to move forward. I would love to participate that in that with you. So that's what I'll say of the origins. Moving us now into 2021 fully, the third question I want to answer is what opportunities does the SBC offer a church like True North? Well, primarily, and I've already said this, but the SBC gives us a chance to pursue unity with other churches, churches from around the world, And we're able to do that uniquely as a part of this convention without being forced to submit to any kind of ruling hierarchy. There is no over and above authority um, that tries to preside over the local church elders of True North. And this makes us different from the Lutheran Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Catholic Church, the Methodist Church. We, I, do not work for or fall under any higher level of organization or oversight than you the members of the church, and the elders that you have ordained and elected to rule over you. Therefore, we have a lot of freedom. We have freedom to be diverse and different from other Southern Baptist churches. We have the freedom to be very informal, very laid back, very culturally okay with whatever you want to wear and however you look on a Sunday morning. That's true about our church. We have the freedom to be very young, to embrace new ideas, to be what I would call culturally agile, able to pivot and read and react without ever compromising the truth of Jesus' teaching, but being able to find ways to bring it up and bring it out that are not inherently offensive when possible, uh, which is not always the case of churches that represent the Southern Baptist Convention. These are all words, agile, young, informal, diverse, that I bet very few of us associate with our idea of what it means to be Baptist. But in fact, instead of being constantly told to keep quiet and stay in line, a church like True North can have immense opportunity. We get to be a pace-setting church. We get to lead by example, especially in the western United States, in the middle of a progressive city, far from the culture of the lower 48, not to, not to even mention the southern states themselves from which this convention was born. True North is truly an anomaly in many ways in SBC life, and that gives us an opportunity, an opportunity to be different, to go first. To show how we can embrace a broadly evangelical document like the Baptist Faith and Message while still having a more rich and more robust understanding of preaching and church membership and local church community and impacting the world around us. And as we gain influence within the convention, we get to teach and show and demonstrate and create change. And there's always more hope to me in staying in something, even if being in that thing is uncomfortable with the hope that you can create positive change and build a legacy that will benefit churches that would come after you. That is better to me than running away from a thing that has a sticky past and is essentially culturally uncomfortable for some of us. Um, And when I say sticky, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that to make light of what happened. What I mean is we can get stuck in our past, sticky in the literal sense that we can find that we are unable to move on. We have to fight those battles. We have to take responsibility. We have to be accountable and repentant, and we believe that our God will forgive us and that we can be made new. And that goes for an organization like our convention just as much as it goes for any individual person who meets Jesus on their own. Now, on a more practical level, one of the opportunities that we have as a member of the Southern Baptist Convention is we get to send our church members to seminary any of the six Southern Baptist Church-supported seminaries would be a great place for a member of TNC to pursue higher theological education, but I would say especially Gateway Seminary in California, who has a unique partnership with all West Coast Southern Baptist churches, but especially those that are affiliated with the SBC in Alaska. So if I'm, if you can just kind of hear me speaking to you individually now, getting out of my um, lecture or discourse I've been giving... If you listening have ever wanted to take a theological course in church history, or spiritual formation, or missiology, or biblical texts, or biblical languages, or any other domain of Jesus-centered learning, the seminaries give you a chance to do that. And as a member of a Southern Baptist Convention-affiliated church, you have the opportunity to take those classes at 50% of the normal cost per credit hour. And then finally, the Southern Baptist Convention gives us an opportunity to send not just money, but missionaries and church planters in partnership with the other 45,000 churches who want people to meet Jesus and live the life he has for them. That doesn't mean that we just give financially. It means that there are training opportunities. There are apprenticeships, internships, pipelines for anybody at True North who wants to explore planting a church in North America or living as a missionary among a non-American people group for anybody from 18 to mon- months to 30 years of commitment. Um, I want to be clear about what I'm saying, not if you're an 18-month-old, but if you're willing to give a year and a half all the way to if you're ready to commit your life to a people group in Jesus' name, there are real, tangible opportunities where the Southern Baptist Convention can get you connected to leaders and trainers and professors and missionaries on the ground, and you yourself can go. As leaders of True North Church, our elders would love nothing more than for the reputation and the legacy and the culture of our church to be that we are a church that is sending, that is sending people to those who are lost to introduce them to Jesus. In its 175-year existence, the Southern Baptist Convention has become very good at finding, equipping, and sending people to share the good news of Jesus with the lost. And so, you know, if you give to the general budget of True North, you're already a part of that. But maybe a question to ask yourself is, is there a next step? Is it time to explore how to give more than your dollars? If you want more information on that, in the same way that I told you I'd be happy to speak to you about the past of the Southern Baptist Convention, I would also love to talk to you about its future. So you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at truenorthalaska.com. Just let us know what you're thinking. If you just want more information, some links to follow up with, some articles to read, videos to watch, we've got that stuff. We don't want to shove it down your throat, but it's available to you, and we would love to connect you with that. Uh, so you can find out more about how God might send you. Now, finally, and this is the last category for a reason, um, we need to talk about the risks. We've talked about the opportunities. Obviously, one of the risks that we've discussed uh, is what we talked about regarding the past of the Southern Baptist Convention. Some people know that history, and to them, uh, the reputation of the Southern Baptist Convention can never outgrow that history. Um, But I believe that there are a few other things that are more modern that come as potential risks, where uh, we would say... Um, maybe some Southern Baptist churches sometimes in some places have said or done things that are not in line with the way, the life of Jesus. And unfortunately now as a church that is not those churches, that has not done those things or said those things, we might find that our own reputation comes under fire or at least is called into question by a person who carries some of that baggage from having previously been a part of one of those churches in the name of the Southern Baptist Convention. So like any other label, Southern Baptist brings baggage with it, and I would say that, frankly, some of the baggage that comes with the label Southern Baptist has been earned for very good reason. To be Southern Baptist in many places means that you probably vote conservatively. Uh, This is just one example, but it's to the point that some Southern Baptist pastors have gone so far as to use their pulpits, to use the platform of the church to campaign for their politician of choice. And I'm not, not just speaking in broad examples here, I grew up where this was normal the church that my family was a part of for basically the first 17 years of my life, um, annually, our national congressman for the state that uh, that I grew up in, he would appear on stage on a Sunday morning in the main gathering, the main service, and he would either be praying or speaking, I mean, to the point that sometimes he would take over the time that was supposed to be given to the preaching of the Bible. And if you're listening to this, I want you to hear me, okay? This guy may have been a believer. I don't know. I certainly hope he was but I can tell you what he had no business doing, which was trying to share Jesus' stage with Jesus. And he certainly was only on that stage so that we would all know his name, support his policies, and ultimately vote for him. I think he could have worshiped alongside us. He would have been welcome in our church to worship in relative anonymity if he was really just there to be among Jesus' body, but my perspective and experience as a child was he was there to drum up support for his political platform, and that seemed to be within the comfort zone of the church that I was a part of, and oftentimes it was spoken of as if that was normal among the Southern Baptist Convention churches at large. To fast forward you a bit, let's go to 2016 and 2020, the two most recent election years Some previously prominent Southern Baptist churches went so far in 2016 and 2020 as to host the conservative presidential candidate at their churches, to speak directly from the pulpit in the preaching time of the church against some of the more liberal candidates by name, cursing these people, uh, denouncing them, attacking them. One leader regularly, I saw this happen, regularly equated the political platform of the 2016 national liberal presidential candidate He equated that to the demon worship of ancient Babylon from the Bible. Now, is that a formal position of the Southern Baptist Convention? No. The Southern Baptist Convention, because it's not a denomination, it's a financial institution designed to oversee a couple of different entities, it has no formal political positions. It is built around sending missionaries and training pastors, not deciding what should or should not be law in these United States. However, I will acknowledge and admit to you, When 45,000 churches get together to do anything, a platform is created, and some within the Southern Baptist Convention have attempted to capture that platform for a conservative political agenda. Now, that is not, nor should it ever be, formally endorsed by the member churches of the Southern Baptist Convention, but the risk that we run at True North is that we may be affiliated with that cultural, political movement by association when we mention that we have a relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention. Similarly, the role of women in ministry or racial reconciliation, the Bible's reliability, how loyal Christians should be to their nation, even the circumstances around medically induced or spontaneous abortions, these are all things that have been debated, some of them by people who use the name of the Southern Baptist Convention to back up or support their own opinions or positions. But when they do that, they do that in a way that does not actually represent the SBC as a whole. We also risk that entity leaders who hold those kinds of uh, extreme positions or opinions may work to try to take over the governing bodies of the SBC entities. Each seminary, both missionary sending agencies, the disaster relief ministry, and the executive team are all overseen and held accountable by an appointed board of trustees from the member churches of the Southern Baptist Convention. Some have tried in the past to manipulate the appointments of those boards of trustees, which is frankly a topic for another podcast. They've done that in order to try to steer the convention toward or away from certain political or social or cultural stances. Unfortunately, to give you a modern example, the boogeyman of critical race theory is one current red herring that has caused a subset of Southern Baptist church leaders to platform for certain figureheads or policies at the seminaries. Now, By God's grace, I can say from experience, we have not lost sight of the gospel in the midst of those conversations, but any other risk that I could highlight today would follow the same pattern as the assumption of conservative political positions. Did you attend a Southern Baptist church that dehumanized women in your past? Well, then we risk your assumption that we will also dehumanize women at True North when you hear that we give financially to the Southern Baptist Convention. Were you subject to teaching that sex is evil and wrong and that even in marriage you should never enjoy it? Did that happen at a Southern Baptist-affiliated church? Well, then we run the risk that you will expect us to teach something similar here because we are SBC-affiliated. The same could be said of racial discrimination, financial impropriety on behalf of leaders, pastoral infidelity, doctrinal heresy, or just cultural snobbery, Christians looking down their noses at non-Christians. All of these things are things that we run the risk of being known as, though they are not true of our congregation, by being willing to affiliate with the Southern Baptist Convention. By the grace of God, we are our own church. We have been appointed by God in Anchorage, and we believe that though many churches in many places have much to change in order to get themselves in step with Jesus, that we are doing all we can to be an example. We want to be a forerunner, a pace setter within the Southern Baptist Convention. So that's sort of a brief history of where it came from, why we are connected, why we find value in it now, the opportunities it presents to the average member like you and me, and hopefully what has felt like a very frank discussion around some of the threats that come from being willing to communicate verbally that we are affiliated with an entity this large with this many different diverse and often extreme positions on cultural issues. I hope you'll tune in next week. We're going to take the conversation about the Southern Baptist Convention a step further. I'm going to sit down with our lay, one of our lay elders, Scott Belmore. Scott is actually a missionary of the Southern Baptist Convention and has a lot more experience with the life of the SBC, the ups and the downs of the last 40 or 50 years than I do. And so he and I are going to discuss this year's annual business meeting in June. We were both able to attend that, sit in on the discussion, participate in the voting. We'll talk a little bit about the cultural issues that were brought up from the floor and the stage in that setting, And we will share our perspectives, which we may not agree about, and that's okay. But we will share our perspectives and certainly our hopes that we do agree about on the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. So a final reminder to you, you can always submit questions, podcast topic ideas. We receive a lot of feedback more and more every week from you, our listeners, by emailing info, I-N-F-O, at truenorthalaska.com. If you'll use uh, podcast questions in the subject line of that email, that will allow us to find your questions much more quickly. And we are working on putting together another mailbag episode where we will work through just sort of a handful of different questions, all unrelated to each other, that you, the listeners, have sent in. Church, we love you, we are here for you, and we hope that this has been an encouragement. We'll see you soon.